This is Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff. And I'm your host, Greg McCollum. I'm going to tell you a story. A story that will inspire you and help you move closer to God through the small stuff in your life. A story to give you a glimpse of God that will surprise you with its simplicity and amaze you with its message. My grandfather's hands always fascinated me. There was nothing particularly extraordinary about them physically, except maybe that field of freckles that dotted them like a haphazard splash of paint on the wall. No, what made them special hands in my eyes was not what they looked like, but what my grandpa did with them. He worked in the meat department of a Kroger grocery store for over 40 years. Back in the day, we called him a meat cutter. And that was really an appropriate title for what he did because he cut up the meat that ended up in the uh, out on display in the store. I remember really very clearly that whenever I visited him at his work when I was a kid, his hands would be busy doing things like grinding hamburger or cutting up pork chops or packaging newly sliced T-bone steaks. So you see why we called what he did and his job, uh, you know, he was a meat cutter. But it didn't end there because what he would do is after he cut up the meat at work, he would bring home the fruits of his labor and his hands would be busy again there because what he would do is he would prepare those special cuts for a cookout. He would light the charcoal for the grill and he would perfectly season each piece of meat and then he would put them on that grill and flip them at the perfect time. And at the end of the day, he would serve the best meat ever, every time. On the weekends during the summer, our family convened at a one-room cinder block cabin out on Coal River in West Virginia, where Grandpa's hands not only did much of the grill-out cooking of the meat, but he, he was also busy using his hands to cut the grass and paint the walls and patch the roof. And yeah, by the way, we didn't have any running water out there, so he would have to haul water in from the car. And when you don't have any running water, when it was necessary, his hands would be out there digging a new hole for a new outhouse. <laughs> or he would build the dock on the riverbank. He would mend the screen porch. And you know what? When all the work was done, those hands would relax by holding a paperback book or dealing a hand of cards or pulling the trigger of a pellet gun as he would try to shoot the target with usually a, um, an empty can of RC Cola. Or he would bait the hook of a fishing line or when the water was deep enough in the river shore. And sometimes out in back, 
uh, near the fence line of barbed wire on the other side of which sometimes were wandering cows. On our side, uh, he would pitch a horseshoe into a distant pit. I'd love to watch his hands, though, no matter what they were doing. That was my dad's dad. Now, my mom's mom, my maternal grandmother, she had hands that were busy, too. Her hands were busy making things. She knitted beautiful sweaters. She crocheted exquisite afghans, did finely detailed needlepoint, and painted paint-by-number masterpieces that looked almost as good as the originals. Maybe that's why I've always admired people who use their hands for a living or who make the world around them better because they use their hands in a special way. You know, I'm talking about people like painters and sculptors and electricians and carpenters and plumbers and cooks and gardeners and tailors and bricklayers and photographers and quilters and musicians and fishermen. (laughs) Whatever, they all amaze me. Maybe that's why I have so often wondered what Jesus' hands must have been like. Have you? Think about what those hands did while they were here on earth. They performed miraculous healings. They fed thousands from just a few morsels. They washed the disciples' feet. They broke bread and served wine at the Last Supper. They cradled small children turned over the money changers' tables, and were often folded in prayer. Think about what those hands did while they were in heaven. They created the stars and the sun and the moon. They molded the mountains. They formed Adam and made Eve. And they knit together every baby that has ever been born. Most incredible of all, though, is that those hands were opened and placed on a rough wood cross where they were wounded by the piercing pain of cold, hard steel nails driven through them by one awful hammer blow after another. And when I consider that Jesus' hands were hurt for me, when I think about how he took my place on that cross, that it should have been my hands that were hit with those hammer blows, well, I can never look at my own hands in the same way ever again. The hands of a sinner. And I can never look at Jesus the same way either. I mean, there are so many reasons to love Jesus. But for me, one of the main reasons is because of his hands. Because of all the things they did, he, they did something specific and special for me. His hands took the punishment that my hands deserved. So when I get to heaven, don't be surprised if I act a lot like the disciple Thomas when he first saw Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. John wrote about it once. He said, now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, I will not believe it. Well, a week later, his disciples were in the house again. And this time Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Yep, I want to see Jesus' hands too. Not because I doubt, but because... I believe. This concludes today's episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff. Did you know when Jesus was preaching and teaching, He never used words like justification, sanctification, glorification. He never used words like those to describe Himself, God, God's Word, salvation, heaven, or eternity. Instead, when Jesus talked about theological concepts, he talked about the small stuff of life. We call them parables today. He did that because his listeners could understand the small stuff. They were living the small stuff every day. It was through the small stuff that Jesus helped people move closer to God. There are going to be no intimidating, scary, or overwhelming theological words as part of this podcast. You'll just encounter things like cups of coffee, home repair, signs on the side of the road, roller coasters, and french fries, all revealing something unique about God who meets you in real life ways every day.